Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. <laughs> the, uh, the the Skype <laughs> ring was so chill this morning. I don't know what my settings are, but it was just like really vibey. Huh. I, uh, huh. Are you, are, you, uh, are you sick? You sound like you got a little cold. Ugh. No, do, do you not want to say? It's fine. For the first time in, what, four years. Really? My, my daughter came home from her polluted little school. Bruh. And was like, I have a stuffy nose, daddy. Wipe, wipe, sneeze. And I said, you know, what happens is that you and your mother get sick for two days. And then I get the same thing and I'm sick for 14 days. Yeah, you're very vulnerable to these things. I'm There's other vulnerable. ways in which you're, 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 don't seem vulnerable, but it seems to me that uh, cold type things have historically uh, gotten you. And now that every, now that everything's back to normal, John, we're back to yeah. normal. Yeah. Everybody's walking around, shucking and jiving. Yeah, they are. The little fucking sponges, with all due respect, they're little fucking sponges. Yeah, they are. You know? Yeah. And, and they bring sickness <clears throat> into your home. And they touch so Ugh. much. Ugh. Licking doorknobs, and I guess they don't have to wear masks anymore. I would have had them wear masks the rest of their rest of their lives. Keep cut down on all that high school kissing. Oh yeah, public public display of affection (PDA) they call it. Yeah. But so I, here I am, and I'm just I'm sick. And how far in are you? Well, it started probably. You know, her mom's out of town for two weeks, so she and I have just been you know having a good old time, and then probably Friday. Oh, are you are you okay to do the program? Oh yeah, you know I'm not some damn <laughs> Benjamin that cancels the show when he's oh, got boy. a sniffle. Okay, um, good. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, <laughs> he's he's back, it's everybody. A, it's a comedy cough, but it's also a real one. You know, I was so scared because if you recall, um, I was uh, uh, s- several years ago in the in the Aloha era um you know i was i was having panic and a lot of the panic was triggered by sick by feeling like i like i couldn't clear my nose or my ears you know that the claustrophobia of it mm-hmm. and that you know i i don't have to tell you or our listeners about panic no but you know i got into a cycle of thinking about it such that when I wasn't sick, I could work myself up just by thinking about the future time that I got sick. Yeah. There will one day be a time that I get sick and it will be like this. What a nightmare. And then I would off to the races, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't tell normal people about this. No, 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 no. But this is how, you mean, is you, how you, the, idea, the idea of something in your head uh, feels uh, even more real to you then the real thing feels to me. Yeah. 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 That's exact. That's pretty close. Yeah. That's pretty much it. So when I felt this first coming on, I, I was dealing with what had probably been five years of suppressing panic around the idea that I was going to get sick one day. Cause I, when was the last time any of us were sick? I've been sick since, since you mean like with, a, with a normal cold. Well, with any kind of thing, you know, I think I think I stopped licking doorknobs probably in 2017, mm-hmm. and I think I don't remember I don't remember the exact last time I got sick, but uh, but I broke that cycle of getting sick twice a year for two weeks each time, 
anyway, it's been a long time. Probably one of those times, you know, probably during a low hop period. There were a couple of times on airplanes where I just was sick and on an airplane and ugh, awful. Mm-hmm. So I felt this whole thing of like, oh no, this is it. Like the last five years I've been um on the edge of uh panic anytime i sat and thought about what about what's going to happen the next time you get even even though you just to be clear here um you even though it was the sort of the dread of potentially getting sick that was and that's 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 apart from the whole like actually being sick uh right it's the it's thinking about it it's the anxiety the if you like the panic of imagining that you you could get sick and and then you become over like attenuated to the symptoms and stuff like that yeah there's a there's like a panic animal in inside that 99 (laughs) percent of the time walk around panic animal is just is curled up in its nest you don't know it's there you're not thinking about it but for me you know the idea of a head cold and a chest cold triggered all those, you know, I had connected it to all these claustrophobic feelings to all these, you know, buried alive panics or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how I connected it, but, but, and so if I'm walking along on a sunny day, da 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 da, and the idea would come into my head, like, well, you know, one day you're going to get really sick and you're not going to be able to breathe and panic animal just would wake up out of its nest and suddenly just be like a well, little almost weasel. like it was it was the panic animal sitting there in its little panic animal dog bed and then a, a little some kind of an alarm goes off or some dog howls and it it hears it and that panic animal knows oh this is this is my time to shine yeah and it's just spinning around and it's dog you know it's just chasing its tail like, sitting there like at the because you know i used to get uh what, what they call stress bumps and uh, I don't, I don't get them so much anymore. They get less, uh, you know, talking about cold sores. They get less uh, severe over the years as the amount of virus in your body sort of dwindles. But I, I am so with you because anybody who's gotten cold sores, who has stress bumps, who has whatever that is, herpes simplex, whatever, it's there's a feeling that you get when you look in the West. <laughs> I get when I look to the west. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sword. You got it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> exactly. Gollum <laughs> the evil one. Um, but the, I don't. I, it's difficult to describe because it, does, it this does sound completely mental. But I, I, you know, I don't know if this is a result of being the sort of person who frets about these things. But they used to. I mean, like when I used to get them, like in high school and college, it would lay me low Ugh. when I get a cold sore because you know it's essentially. I'm somewhat immunocompromised in a number of ways, and that's one of the ways, which is like, if I run it down, if I run down too much, used to be if I smoked too much weed, if I stayed up too late, if I did all these different things, I could pretty much guarantee I'll get one. But what I'm trying to describe and failing to describe here is this feeling of like, huh, I wonder if I'm getting a cold sore. And you do that kind of thing where you go like, because uh, if you're a veteran, you know yeah. what those feel like. Yeah, and it like seems it. <laughs> almost, in, this might be a heuristic, but it almost always feels like the cold sore is preceded by the panicky feeling that you're getting a cold sore. Mm. And I, I don't know what's hooked up to what, but I do know that, yeah, then you do get one. Because guess what? Now you're even more stressed out. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Is it is it is it, it kind of like that? Does the panic animal does the panic animal have a role? 
do you think that could be positive or it's mainly just another, it's a, it's the, uh, the pet animal of the Welsh troll. You know, I always think of the cold sore thing as one of those tiny little tinkly bells that someone in Downton Abbey rings up in their room. Tinkle, 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 tinkle. Oh, that, maybe it's come, come up here like, and empty my chamber pot or whatever. Yeah, where you, you just barely hear it and you're tinkle, like, tinkle, tinkle, tinkle bell. Oh, here yeah. it comes. No, I don't. I I have been trying to find uh, like a a, a a use case for panic animal, and I don't see one other than just like uh, like the, the pure the pure like flight. I'm being I'm being chased. Yeah, I'm being chased by a Dracula on a bridge in Romania. I need to run. Right. There's the yeah. kind of panic animal. The uh, panic animal jumps up, starts barking. Maybe you know. I, I think this is such a human condition thing. Is uh, you know, maybe maybe what two, three, four times a year, the panic animal was maybe not such a bad thing. But then all of those other times, it's just sitting there going, "My turn, my turn." Is it time for well, me to come out? Because it's not actually connected to anything real. You know, a panic animal is not. It's not the same as like, do I have quick reflexes if I if a, it's not if even I, the same as hitting hitting a fire alarm that would turn on the sprinklers. It's really no. just more that like let's let's have more people run in the crowded theater at once. Yeah, it doesn't. I can't see how it helps me. The only way it it it, it has helped me to to have panic animal is to understand. It really helped me understand what a lot of other people were going through, because up until that point, up until just a few years ago, I had never had, I had never connected uh, anxiety feelings or or any of the other things going on in my life to actual panic. And so when people would talk about panic attacks or when they would, you know, when they would sort of make decisions based around whether a panic animal was going to appear or not, I was always like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, I man up or whatever. I mean, the, it, the, the, I mean, the, the, I've certainly been the sort of person that would say, well, how about you just calm down? Couldn't you yeah. just calm down? Like right. nothing's happening. Uh, to, to quote uh, the, the great uh, Walter Sobchak, nothing is fucked here, dude. Like <laughs> n there's nothing wrong. You are as uh, as your friend Dan Benjamin like to say. Like you're just you're just a guy in a room. There's nothing happening right now. That's all happening in your head and in the vicinity of your panic animal's dog bed. And it was only having it that I realized. Oh right, of course that doesn't work. It's the same as telling a depressed person to that there's nothing wrong and they yeah, should cheer up. Cheer up. But also, I think so. In addition to like uh, showing me, there's a whole other there's a whole other world on the other side of a curtain that I didn't know was there, and like, and everyone now has my my explicit sympathy. Yeah, uh, but, it helps a lot for it to affect oneself. Yeah, it sure it, does. It's a it's a real it can be a real uh, booster booster dose of sympathy in some ways. It can because you know it's just like. Oh, we're because it's not rational. It's, it's really not, not rational, rational. and yeah. words are insufficient to describe it. So there's no account that I read in a book where I'm like, I get that. It's it's really and there and I think that's another thing that it taught me was that oh, I see. So there are a lot of things out there that I'll never understand if it doesn't happen to me. But also, people that it's happening to have to also realize no one's ever going to understand this. So you can't. You can't expect people to know, right? You can't. When when I was depressed, the reason I talked about it so much was that I understood no one could understand, and that wasn't their fault. 
Right. It wasn't it wasn't somebody's fault not to understand. I appreciated their sympathy. But you know, you can't help but be frustrated with them, but it's not their fault either, right? Yeah. And so Panic Animal, what it taught me was I needed to learn to self-soothe, which actually helped me across the border into normal life because actually I did need that. You know, I did need to figure out how to uh, calm myself down, not not in a panic context, but like like when, you know, when somebody, uh, when some teens give me a little bit of guff out in front of the, the, the uh, drugstore. Mm-hmm. Do I engage these teens in a battle of the wits that turns into an actual battle? Or do I self-soothe and get in my car and go on with my day and have a nice day? There's a lot of levels. I, so, I feel like I feel like there's a there's a lot of levels because you know, the the there's a part of you, part of one, that maybe is the same sort of person who would go, well, why don't you just calm down? Why are you freaking out about something that's not happening? Where you could try to do a certain kind of self-talk even as you know that it's not very effective, but that kind of self-talk that's like, you know, what I've come to call the mean dad voice, the like, you know, oh God, what are you doing? Like, yeah, come on, n- knock it off. Like, you know, but there's, there's more, there are levels, there are levels to it where it's like, uh, sometimes your brain is trying to tell you something. A lot of the time it's not, but we get crossed connections I don't like to bring up all the things I read on here because who cares? But, you know, I've read a lot about anxiety. I've read a lot about trauma. I've been reading a lot, uh, as you know, about, you know, a kind of updated, modernized kind of version of the role that uh, mindfulness meditation can have. The thing, the thing that a lot of those things have in common is, well, apart from me, is that like this, whether or not anyone else thinks it's a real thing, it feels more real than real. When, it, when it's happening to you, and even the prospect of it happening, you know, is so real. But I feel like there is something, the reason I think the trauma part is so interesting, is like, why do we get like that? Well, we must have gotten like that for some reason. It it sounds a little oversimplified, but I think part of it is that your wire, one's wires get, get crossed. Yeah. And a thing that would suit us well in some circumstances has now been so agitated and at a certain point, you've got a kennel full of panic animals about all kinds of different things who are just who are just like, oh, please, like having some kind of like a one of those breeds of panic animal that like especially like likes to pop up at the worst possible time. You're stuck on a plane, you're in a seat, you're next to somebody, they're sneezing, like all that kind of stuff. But like I, a lot of it does come back to a very, to me, a very simple feeling, which is this feels like a feeling I had I've, I have had before, and I don't want that feeling again. And the trauma people will tell you, well, sometimes that's a feeling of helplessness. That's a feeling of regret. That's a feeling of, I should have done something differently or more. Like, I should have said something or whatever. But, like, I, as learned as I can be and rational as I can be thinking about it, it it doesn't make it go away. It doesn't make it better. But it is it is a way in to realize that my my wires got crossed at some point, and I'm my panic animal is way overreacting to something that is not beneficial to me. And then the way that you do something about that is, can be real complicated. If, yeah. I mean, if you want to, I mean, who wants that? I mean, who, who feels good about that? That feels, makes me feel like not who I am. I, I knew it was going to come and that was part of the panic animal too, right? There's no way you're going to go the rest of your life without getting sick. And so so I, uh, these were the little kibbles that I would put in Panic Animal's little dog bed, 
Like, <laughs> you know, you know, one day you're going to get sick again. And when you feel it coming Rest on, my pretty. One day I shall need you. Yes, pet, pet. When it's when you know it's about to come on, you know that you're at the start of 14 days of agony. And so, yeah. You know, be discomfort, ready. inconvenience. Um it's it's going to it's going to upset the apple cart and you're going to feel like shit the entire Oh, no, time. no, no, no. It's all uh, by, by this point I had turned it into you won't be able to breathe and you will die you know panic is always so you're, like, you're going you're going way you're beyond die. the little itches that we get about something we prefer not to happen you're going straight into the back of the cop car or an early grave oh absolutely absolutely yeah. it's just like i'm not going to be able to clear my head it'll be my it'll be same. my undoing that's what it's they the all same end as up being at. suffocated right it's the yeah, same yeah, as yeah sure as sure. being waterboarded <laughs> so I'm, I'm i'm sitting in my bathtub of course where i spend Eight hours a day. It's where my office hours take place. Sure, and I feel it. <laughs> yeah, this is this is more than just a allergy. It's happening. You know, I can feel the tickle. I can feel the the. It's start. It's it, and so it begins. Right. Right. <laughs> and panic animal wakes up, mm-hmm. and I and I knew. <laughs> This was I I I I'd, I'd sketched this all out a thousand times. I knew this was how it was going to go, and I couldn't be in the bathtub anymore. You know, I I shot up out of the bathtub and I'm pacing in the bathroom, like how's this going to go? Like what's what are we going to you know? What in are we going to do in anticipation of this thing? You feel like is definitely coming. It's happening. Yeah. And the, the the sorry the the feeling the feeling sick or the panic. The feeling sick, which is going to lead to the panic. The, and of the, course, pan- the panic the- is going to go from, um, what is it they used to teach us about, you know, like a bow and arrow, kinetic versus oh, the two uh, kinds of energy, yeah, potential uh, versus kinetic. Like, yeah. the, But the potential energy of uh, panic animal is going to become, is getting, about to get very real. Well, and then, of course, the, the panic animal recapitulates panic animal. So mm-hmm. then, then panic becomes the problem, right? Yeah. It's then it's panic that's going to kill me. And so I'm pacing in the bathroom and I'm like, we're going to have, what are we going to do? We're going to go for a walk. I mean, are we going to, we're going to walk out into the night in a towel and walk all night in order to keep this at bay. You you know that that's not going to work. You've, you've, you've walked up and down and it doesn't keep it at bay. Well, you're you're slapping band-aids all over this thing, trying to make yourself feel better, but that as you're doing that, you're paying more and more and more attention to the potential or the kinetic or actual uh, panic animal. I mean, it's it's ironic because that's one reason that those kinds of fixes often don't work is in trying to talk ourselves out of how we feel right now, we're really zooming in on how we feel, which makes us more attenuated toward it. It's It feels like it would help and it really doesn't. Yeah, the first time I ever had a real panic attack, I made the, the terrible mistake I think I told you at the time mm-hmm. of Googling panic attack. <laughs> like, what do I do? You know, I'm having yeah. a panic attack. What do I do? And I Googled panic attack and oh my God, don't ever do that. Oh no, got it. Uh, because it's just like a bunch of people talking about panic attacks. And it's just like, this, this isn't, you know, it's all, it's just, it's, it's the nightmare scenario. This is not a thing I want to hear other people talk about. It turns out. Yeah. there we are. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I, I went through this, sort of not quite hellish few hours 
where it was nighttime. I was trying to lay down. This is the worst combination of circumstances, right? I'm trying to lay down. I have a, my, now my nose is stuffy and I can't breathe. There's no amount of medicine in the world that will help me. You know, I could be chugging, uh, Dimetap or whatever, and it's not going to clear up my nose. And, and it was, you know, it was very much like there were several times where I laid down, turned off the light, lay there for a minute. Panic animal was just on a, on a, on his little wheel running, 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 turned the light back on, sat back up, you know, got up out of bed, walked around, did that a few times, kind of tired myself out, but always kept, you know, I was, I was, I was soothed, self-soothing, kept it at bay. And the next morning I realized I have it now. I'm sick. And I survived the night. And actually being sick is just the same as it ever was. Mm-hmm. Like the the I had put I had put so much food in panic animals bowl <laughs> over the last five years, worried about this, that all I had to do was make it through that first few hours to get to a point where it's like, you know what? Being sick is actually one of the more familiar and comforting states of being. <laughs> you know, I've been sick like this so many times in my life. I know what this feels like. I know what this is. And it hasn't killed you yet. It hasn't killed me. And I know what the progression is. Like, like, yeah. It's day fa- two, like you it say, was it's like, familiar. It's that yeah. so all there's the, the two of the familiar ones are the, the definitely getting worse and the probably getting better. I feel like or two where like is that day you wake up and you're like oh god it's still getting worse and then there's that one day you wake up or you know usually it is waking up and you're like oh this seems less bad than yesterday and that does feel familiar I mean yeah. n- no less familiar than getting in and then getting rid of a cold sore eventually but but that's it doesn't take there was there was one of these anxiety books I read I heard a guy I think in an interview and I I picked up his book and he uh, I think it's called I'll find the title of it something like my my age of anxiety or something like that. And it's about this guy who has a, oh gosh, I hope we're not triggering anybody here, but a lot of people have a, uh, or a number of people, like have a, an abject anxiety and fear about vomiting. And this oh. guy had that so bad. He had, he's, every moment of every day, he's like, what, what led him to this journey of finding all the ways that he might choose to address this was that he spends every waking moment thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm totally going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up in front of people. It's going to be embarrassing. And to where, like, even when they tried to do exposure therapy on him and gave him, like, Ipecac, he could keep himself from vomiting. John, the guy had not vomited since 1977, is, is, the, is the punchline, if you like. Which is that this is a grown man, you know, over 40 years, he hasn't vomited, but that does nothing to change the fact that that's still the overriding anxiety in his life. Even though it's not it's not like something that happened just yesterday, but, like... Feelings are real. Anxiety is real. There are ways to address it, but like just t- t- for the for the neuro tips, I call them. <laughs> just be aware. Be aware that it, it, it feels extremely real. <laughs> well, oh, oh, John, I'm sorry. So I woke up this morning, and I've got uh, I've got a cough now. Now I have the cough. Right? I didn't have the cough yesterday, but this is a very natural progression for me it always starts with a stuffy nose then day two is a sore throat from the stuffy nose and then day three is a you know is a wheeze and then day four is a is a cough that sounds like i'm gonna die and and so walking through it 
Panic Animal had no had no job to do. There's just no, you know what? What can you do? <laughs> you can't can't help me here. Does he go back to sleep? What's he do? I don't know, and that's where uh, that's kind of where I am right now. Like I I I fed him and 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 cared for him for this moment because I was not not consciously like doing it, but but this was all about what's going to happen that day when I finally get sick and they put me in a coffin in handcuffs. <laughs> Slam the lid with a back on your head. <laughs> and and in in fact what happened was I spent I spent a few hours trying to keep myself uh, uh, you know like tamped down just using just using absolutely normal techniques of like you're fine it's fine you know just it's fine you're going to be fine. And then uh, what's what is what have I learned? Right, I I can sit here right now and talk about it. I can sit here and not be able to breathe and have a cough, and I'm fine. And so I don't know whether this experience of spending all these years in this state where I was, where I knew it was there, but I was also always talking to it, always always thinking about because because I, I didn't just say this is going to happen, I'm going to die, I then would reflect on that, right? I would reply to that and say, it will happen and you won't die. So I don't know where I am. I don't know whether right. when I get better at three months from now and I think about getting sick again, whether, but I can't imagine that I'm going to be as panicky that when I'm better, when I'm well again, because because I've walked but you're still through this. in you're still a little bit in the in the warm soothing light of a victory sort of yeah in that you didn't die you're not in a coffin yet right, right? and so but it's in that state of mind that, that that we tend we can become more like a neurotypical person who would go like oh see it wasn't a big deal I'll remember this next time yeah and I feel like we very well, I mean, I don't it's, know if we really can. I don't know if it would be useful to remember that next time. We always tell our kids that. At least I have. Like, hey, look, see, it wasn't so bad. You did fine. It's like, I don't know how much it helps when you tell yourself or a kid that. I'm not sure that's really how that process works. But the issue has not been the actual panic. It's been, hmm. the, it's been the years of being fine and just walking through daily life and... And the, you know, and the little voice wakes it up. And so this is at least some energy I can direct to that voice when I'm walking down the street on a sunny day and, and the voice says, yeah, it's a nice sunny day, but what if somebody puts a bag over your head and gives you the flu and puts you in the trunk of a car? Right. I'll say, well, remember how much we spent on this and, and, and what the payoff actually was? I don't know. I, I mean, I honestly don't know. The, the cold sore analogy is really good because there's never a time when you start to feel that first tingle where you don't think, oh, fuck, I'm on a 10-day ride, right? Yeah. Like I look in the mirror right now and I look like a normal person and my life is going good and I've got a date tomorrow, but I know right now I'm at the top of a water slide. There's no situation that's made better 
by a cold sore. No. And because it does make you feel, it's not just that it's unsightly. It just, it really does make you feel like you're, like you've got the flu. Yeah. Um, you're sick. You're Yeah. Gross. Yeah. And I mean, it could be something as silly as like, just, I have to go, you know, I have to meet a person in four days. I have to take a trip. It could be a new ID photo, like whatever it is, there's all this stuff. And like, for me, I, I guess it's a, it's a canine relation of a, it's a, I don't know if it's, it's a demon dog of some kind, but they are off to the races and they are all running in, all my panic animals are running in different directions in explorer mode to go out and find all these different ways that this is going to be my undoing. And I mean, I don't sit around and morosely think about like death or undoing, but like, I, I don't know. See, this is such a big topic for me. I could talk about this all day, but yeah. like, you know, one thing is like, I do think it's, it's a good starting point is to realize some of the distinctions between like fear and anxiety between like anxiety and, and panic. Right. And it's like, there are, there are these things that they have a role in our lives. They have a role from an evolutionary standpoint about helping us to get better about things, but, or to like, you know, to find, to find fuel and, and mates and things like that. But it's, it's that, I don't know. It's, it's, we are, we are, God, how can I put this? I think that the fear I may have, I don't think of myself as somebody who sits around having a fear of death. I think what I do have is a fear of something I didn't expect being my dissolution. If I wanted to trade, uh, if I wanted to like really trace a lot of this stuff, I think it comes down to, well, this is it. This thing that is not happening right now, it's going to happen. It's going to be worse than I thought. And like, whatever that thing is, it will be my dissolution. And I can't even imagine how bad that will be, except that I know that it will be extremely bad. And I, I think everybody's got their own flavor of that if they suffer from this. But it's even on the sunny day walking around and, you know, saying like, oh, this is no big deal. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how effective that is at inoculating you against future panic and concerns because you're a different person then you might be more vulnerable that day you know and i get into a certain kind of magical thinking where it's like oh well that happened and now this is going to happen and it's like what are you doing you're you're a grown man don't do that i definitely don't think that this has cured me of being afraid of being in handcuffs with a bag over my head right because what is going to cure you of that i would hope never to never to know um but i it's all, it's all, uh, these are all data points, right? As you would say. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, uh, it, it, it at least feels good to be here right now, which is to say sick and miserable, but also, uh, not out of control. And mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. not what I, you know, and I think part of it is, yeah, your your body and your mind all recognize like, well, you can't be in a straight up panic attack for 15 days. That's just not going to, you're not going to be able to, you don't have the excess energy to do that. And so, you know, settle in. But also, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm right in the middle of it. And so it's. So it's uh, but it'd be it's nice to th it'd be nice to, be to think that it, I know, but I I'm I, I'm with you though because it would be nice to think that like well you know I've um, I certainly did not benefit from all of that panic animal you know lollygagging and now is there a way for me to benefit from realizing that like I've that I've gotten through this you know can can that be something that's useful? Did, did, did you know another part of this that I, I 
it's not fun to talk about, but I think a big part of this is also the role of shame. I think shame makes everything worse. And there's so many things where like, whatever the thing that happened was like, if you're somebody who's worried about something as straight up as like, what's my status in the community? Or like, what will the people I love think of me? All those kinds of things. I, I used to just go, I don't care about that. I don't worry about that. I'm not the BMOC. Um, but the, but the truth is like, I think that has a role in it. When you think about your your dissolution, and again, from an evolutionary standpoint, like, we need the tribe. Like, we need these people. So, like, it's not just like, oh, I'm weak and I'm going to get voted off the island. It's also a case of, like, I don't feel like a stable person that people can depend on. And guess what? That makes me feel even worse. And that makes me feel more ashamed. Because, I don't know, I've just, there's been these few breakthroughs for me in the last few years, none of which has led to anything of, you know, permanent change. But it does help to be aware like how much in, in my case, I go like, oh, well, how much of this is some fear of shame or a fear of, you know what I mean? A fear of like looking weak. You know what I mean? There's all those things. But, but you know, what you're kind of stuck with at the end of the day is like however your wiring is today, it's hard to yell it down. It's hard to send it to its room. You know, it's, it's fucking hard. I love the idea and I spend a lot of time thinking of thinking around the idea of like, what is this? What is the, as John Stilkusa would say, Circus. what is the evolutionary value of this trait, right? How did I, how did this trait evolve to benefit me, us? How, yeah. How did, how did previous generations genes move forward and benefit from some kind of uh Emotion of feeling, you know, on, on through to like a behavior. Like, yeah, that's just evolution, right? It's just what everybody knows is the science of evolution. You feel something and then you pass it on to your grandchildren, right? I mean, that's what Syracuse taught me. Yeah, it usually happens. It can even, with cockroaches, it can happen inside of a generation. Yeah. Get what they call exactly. a nano, nano evolution, they call it. Exactly. I don't like potatoes and I passed it on to my daughter through evolution. If you, if you put potatoes on your daughter's plate... She's, she's going to walk into the kitchen. You know what she's going to do? She's going to go go outside, take her clothes off, <laughs> throw a garbage can through the window and set the place on fire. Unfortunately, she loves potatoes, so I'm just surrounded on all sides. But what We, we pronounce some potatoes. What, what, I, uh, what I want. What you know, want. What, what, I, what I look for is just exactly what you're asking. Like, what, what role does panic animal, what, what role, what's a positive role here? What can I connect this to this idea I have of myself as a, uh, 10% Neanderthal, uh, person, like, a uh, some combination of, of Celt and, and, and uh, German and scallop wa wandering across the, the, the Northern plains with a spear in one hand, <laughs> With you know, wearing a bearskin, <laughs> a bearskin bathrobe, like what a bearskin bathrobe and a and a and a, and a sword, a uh -huh. sword of his own crafting. Uh, and obviously, as as we know from uh, reincarnation theory, mm. uh, I would be a king of some kind, right? Some sort of some lordly lordly fellow mm -hmm. up there. Not not a lot of trees or whatever, but I'm just it, it's windy. It's often windy. 
in these in these visions. There's a lot there. of world building this uh, thought experiment. Yeah, you know, there's Pete. There's Pete. A lot of Pete. Oh, a lot of Pete. So you might be in a bog. So like your land of the Scots. Yeah, a little bit of a bog, or <clears> you <throat> know, the Danes, somewhere between a Dane and a Scot, walking around up there trying to get things done, and. Uh, and so, what? What is? How does panic animal help in these situations? Which is to say, I'm I'm laying in my uh, bearskin hut at night. What is it? I'm, this isn't like a fight or flight. Like I heard a sound, jump up and be ready to be attacked. This is I didn't hear a sound, but I'm laying in my in my enclosure, and I'm freaking out about a thing I am thinking about might happen one day. And yet, it's having a uh, it's having an actual physical effect on me in the moment. This isn't planning. I'm not I'm not working out a strategy for a future battle. Right. I'm laying here, you know. With, with the information and thoughts that you have, what can you divine about what's going to happen in the future? And it feels like that, that, that when I when I when I uh, pace it out, mm -hmm. it feels like this is an element of religiosity. Hmm. Because it feels like a supernatural possession of a kind. Oh, I see. Like an external thing. Yeah, this isn't me. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not doing this. Why this would you? Is, why, why, this, well, you would have no reason to do that. Yeah, this is a visitation. <laughs> and there are lots of things that happen to us that if you, if you try and get yourself back to bearskin times, the only justification or the only thing you could have interpreted this, this as at the time is that this is a that there's a demon in you or that there is somebody in your tent with you there is a a demon you know there's a monster in your soul not in your not not in your campfire mm -hmm. and that religiosity we know plays a very large role in civilization building religiosity has a ha has a massive role in making human beings different from other creatures. Mm -hmm. It's why we, I don't know, I don't know whether it's why we uh, invented jewelry and song and dance, but it, it, it played a role, right? So, and and that feeds into what you were saying before uh, around the concept of shame, because now in the modern day, it does feel like a disease of the soul, hmm. in the sense that it feels like a like a failing of my of, of something spiritual or of something uh, something deeply true about myself, or, or more like a moral failing. Yeah, a moral failing. What's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah, yeah like yeah. why are you so like this? And so it is a thing that's happening in that realm, in the, in the, in a mystical place. And I don't know, you know, I, and I, and I, and I, and I, and also feels like a lot of the, the work that we do or that we think of as psychological is psycho spiritual. You know, a lot of the woo stuff and what it, what woo what about woo appeals to oh, people oh it's and so it's like this 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 thing you're talking about religiosity but like another way to think of it is like something external to my own you know existence has has brought this in and is it possible that something from beyond this uh this mortal coil could also take it out 
Is that part of the religiosity is like I mean, looking for yeah. a solution? That's, you know? that's what I, I think. If you were there, if you were in that situation with no other context, you mm-hmm. would be driven to the monk. You would go immediately to the witch and say, I am being tormented by a, by a demon. Can you help? Right. And it would reinforce the kind of tribal bond that, that, is shared by a belief system because what it does, you know, it's the thing. It's when you see the Virgin Mary in a piece of toast, like you, you would feel or getting it. a cross made out of ash on your head. You like could you, not you walk help, around seeing other people who just got the ash on their forehead, you know, on Ash Wednesday. It's a way of you're also you're kind of demonstrating a dedication to the to the tribe in some ways by ex, by taking the cure. Well, or that there would, you know, a puff of smoke if you have been taught is the Holy ghost or if you've been taught, it's the great Raven, that's what you see. Mm-hmm. And I would feel this now I feel it. And I'm like anxiety and panic, but then I would have said demon or, or some Norse, whatever the equivalent is of a Norse possession, a ghost. Mm. Um, Maybe uh, like a snow sprite. Snow Sprite. It could be a. Mm-hmm. It could be a Welsh troll, actually. Yeah, I, I, be, is that too on the nose? No, I think you know. Is that a, it, is that a player character? I think I think Welsh troll is right. I mean, I would be. Uh, he'd be hopping from craggy top to craggy. Is he speaking top. rhymes like Rumpelstiltskin? Because in my head, he's a lot like Rumpelstiltskin. He's a lot like Rump- Rumpelstiltskin, except he looks like Richard Burton. <laughs> <laughs> the following is an unpaid advertisement for Roderick on the line. Bob, did you hear what happened to Donna? Donna, you mean that healthy and vivacious woman from our church group? Yes, that woman we know very well who seems so vital and full of life. She totally died, Bob. Oh crap, what happened? No one is sure, but her husband, Morris, who we also know very well, is so upset. Ma'am, that sucks. Luckily, they had really good life insurance and gave money to Roderick on the line. Do we do that, Bob? Um. Bob, I asked you to take care of that. Uh, Darn you, Bob. But Betsy isn't supporting a podcast with money really expensive and dangerous. Not anymore, it isn't. We can support Roderick on the line for as little as $5 a month. $5. Wow, that is surprisingly affordable. What do we have to do? You just go to patreon.com slash Roderick on the line. Will that website give my PC a virus? Shut the fuck up, Bob. Your timidity is killing me just like it killed poor Donna. Wow, this is a lot for me to process. Just go to patreon.com slash Roderick on the line or give Roderick your money.com. Do you think you can handle that? Death makes you really hostile, Betsy. It's not a great look. Keep moving and get out of the way, Bob. The only thing I know for sure is this. A horse's head is ultimately unknowable to me. Yeah, so, the Welsh, man. Yeah, so Don't it connects fuck with the Welsh. me to, when I think about it, right, it has no value in terms of making me a better warrior or a better leader or whatever, except that it does humanize and, and, and humble mm-hmm. a person. Yes, totally. Totally agree. Uh, this 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 is one thing I've been, I've been reading lately. Um, the evolutionary uh, psychology guy talking about uh, you know these traits in Buddhism. There's there's a lot. I mean, again, and and I just want to always say like I have not vetted this. I am not a scientician. Like well, I don't have not. a way. Well, not not not. You know, I'm a I'm a scientist of rock. You talk to Dan enough that you're probably a Buddhist by association. So, right? so, now see, now you want to have fun with that, and that's fine. 
Um, but but no, but uh, no, I'm not talking about reincarnation and stuff like that. What? But one thing this dude says in this book that I think makes a lot of sense is that, and this goes straight to you know uh, your pal Mike and feelings are real. Those are Mike Squires, right? Yeah, yeah, feelings are real. Yeah, feelings are real. Um, it's the only thing he ever said that. But, you know, it'll, it's his epitaph. I'm at, I'm at an interesting point in this book where he's talking about kind of about the the well, you know he has a whole section called like you know how do we know our feelings are true da 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 all these things but what, the case that he's making that makes some sense to me as a not a scientist is uh, feelings are feelings arose as a way to give experiences oh, this is my own words but it's really good are you ready, ready. feelings are Feelings are a way for experience to make an impression on you for the future. Like to learn, to grow, to not die. And, you know, it's really easy to, I mean, like, who knows what we're talking about? I don't even know what period of theoretical time we're talking about here. But in the, you know, when in the Grog the Caveman times, like you would get a feeling, a good feeling, because you ate this high caloric food and didn't get killed. Over here, you had a panic attack because you almost, you didn't get any food. You're really weak and you almost got killed, you know, out on the savanna. And the feeling, the feelings from an evolutionary standpoint are a way, are a way for our mind to imprint on things that have happened before and to lead us toward things that will be good from an evolutionary standpoint and to avoid things that are not so good from an evolutionary standpoint, which I, I think is a, a really interesting way to think about it. So it's not, not that feelings aren't there. It's not that feelings are fake. Feelings are real. They're all of those things. But it's interesting to me as a way in to think about feelings as, and he, he even makes the case that like you can't make yourself do all these different things. What you can do is, is have your feelings help motivate you in ways like we like to think oh it's rational thinking versus emotional feeling stuff and he's like well no that's not it at all like they all come down to feelings even the stuff that's the most rational thing that you come up with has a basis in how you feel about that rationality um which was a little bit of a mind blower to me but i do i feel like there's always like a good news often i should say like a good news bad news with things like this and in that case hey the bad news is you know those terrible feelings you have are real the good news is that, like, you don't have to always have those forever. The But to me, some of these breakthroughs and realizations, for me, a big one that I had in talking to Syracuse about anxiety over the years is I realized I had this mental model for anxiety. Because what is the thing with anxiety? Anxiety comes along, panic comes along, and the most overriding fear or the most overriding feeling is I need to not have this feeling anymore kind of meta feeling, right? I need to not feel panicked. I need to not feel like I'm going to die in a police car. I, I need this feeling to go away, right? And the trouble is, the thing that I discovered was as an anxious, a naturally anxious person, to me, anxieties might as well be presented in a box like Kleenex. Because the second I grab one, another one pops right up. Oh. Now, that's a bad news thing in some ways. Guess what? You've got a Costco size palette of Kleenex that will last you for the rest of your life. But that also then, that, at least that mental model, gives me a way in of going, okay, that's interesting. So what you're saying is there's always going to be something that when I resolve the thing that's making me anxious and panicky, well, I should be good forever, right? No. Well, the bad news is you're always going to have another Kleenex waiting when you, when you pop one up. Another anxiety will always take the place. It's a notional stack that is endless in some ways. But then that also then does give me a little bit of expansiveness to say, well, if they're always going to be there, stuff comes into my mind. Like, well, does every one of those have to be 
my uh, my dissolution? Does every one of those have to be like the end of days? I mean, these are the kinds of things that I don't want to say just give me comfort, but give me an angle into thinking about this as something other than a, a thing that's utterly out of my control and irrational, inaccessible, and shameful. Right. So if I think, well, I, I look at that and you can, of course I could think myself to death, but I might go like, oh, the next Kleenex that pops up is, oh, you know, it turns out this really reminds me of this bad experience that I had like in middle school and I don't want to feel that again. And then I get to look at that and go, well, you know what, if I pull that one up, there's going to be another Kleenex right underneath there. I could feel that as a kind of uh, intellectual or emotional death sentence, but instead I choose to look at it as, hey, this is just the thing that's going to happen. Just like, just like bad days and you know, uh, just stupid shit that comes along. And I don't, but the, I don't have to be the Kleenex. Like be, it, the, be the, the Kleenex, the Kleenex, be the ball, Danny. Uh-huh. See the ball. Cinderella story. Tears in his eyes, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> we watched Fletch this, we watched Fletch this weekend. Are you ready for the Fletch with John Hamm? I've watched it twice. Okay. Go on. It's very good. Well, so, and it got a crummy release. But here's, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to give you advice here. I'm trying to give myself a pat on the back for realizing that, like, let me just say it in the most dumb, bald way possible. Feelings are real, but feelings don't define who I am. And, and that's a thing that I have the, some amount of executive authority to keep in mind. I can't always, that's not always going to mean I guaranteed a good day any more than I'm guaranteed a bad day, but that presence of mind to look at this, and I realize this is a kind of intellectualization about something that's very emotional, but maybe I need that. Maybe I need a way of going, you know, I, I don't have a solution for this, but I feel like just knowing it exists in a particular way, how you feel, how it happens, how that process works, becoming more acquainted with that is really valuable. Yeah. Well, I, all we can do is all we are is is what we are. All we are is. I thought you were going to do all Kansas we for are a minute. Is what we are. are. I could never if understand. There's a bustle in your hedgerow. Don't be alarmed now. No, that's the thing. That's it's just thing. a spring queen for the May Queen. Spring, a spring, spring queen. queen. Spring queen for the May Queen. And that may be it. You feel a bustle in the hedgerow, you feel, and you think feel, it's a panic animal, but it's really just a spring clean for the May Queen. You heard there's a bustle in the hedgerow. Yeah. And use and and then the the voice says it admonishes you. Don't be alarmed now. No, don't be alarmed is what that. John, what happens when you realize the piper's calling you to join him? Does that have any effect on you? Again, it. I, I sit up around my fire and I go, is that the piper? Is he calling me to join him? Mm. I think a modern person might say, is that, uh, is that my Snapchat account that's calling me to log in and snap with my friends and oh, say, oh my God, so sweet. You look so cute in oh that. Oh my God, you're so skinny. Oh my God. I would kill is for that, your ankles. Is that the piper that's calling me to join him? Oh, I don't know. You're saying there could be multiple pipers, multiple pipers, uh, multiple panic animals. I think it might be only one piper. It's just culturally, we all think it's a different thing. This is in Hinduism, we might think of as uh, an avatar. This is, this is the William James issue, right? This is oh. the, the comparative literature thing where it's like, wait a minute. William James is not Henry James. Is that right? That's right. Who wrote The Ambassadors? Henry James. Okay. I didn't like that book. I thought it was a little overrated. Uh, William James is he varieties of religious experience. That's right. Mm. Um, and and so you know it's it's what we all wanted to do. Uh, 
uh, when we first started college, um, which is, <laughs> Hand <stuff>? oh, I'm going <laughs> to. I'm no. <laughs> you, All right, I went to school in Florida. It was different. A lot of us, you know, you, you you go to college and you're like, oh, I'm going to come up with the unified field theory, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out. Where oh yeah, this is finally gonna be the last lock, the last key for the last lock, and now it's all. Yeah. I'm just gonna all this other stuff. I've already been kind of uh, gleaning all of this information from my Veltenschong, and now the, I got the I got the last key. I'll probably be done with this in six months. And it's why it's why there's comparative religion uh, as a as a major or at least a class, and it's why Einstein uh, said God doesn't uh, tickle your your uh, fanny with a feather. Nope. Uh, because everybody's trying to figure out, like, well, if this is if this is true and this is true and this is true, what's the what's the, how what does that tell us, right? About what's true, there's got to be a thing. Because this says there's a thing, that says there's a thing. We should turn this into a PDF. This would be a good ebook. What we're talking about right now. What, what, we need Randall Monroe to do it because it would just be one of those flowcharts he oh, does that's that got guy. like nine thousand little yes. bubbles, uh, and that's what it ends up being because there because nobody because you know because what happens is somebody's like well I guess it's string theory and there are a billion universes and it's like oh that's not what I was looking for I was hoping that it was like a Welsh troll that looked like Richard Burton and you're telling me that it's an unfathomable <laughs> like what are you even how tall is he do you have a sense. He's small. That's what makes the him thing. so there's scary. A, I don't mean this to be ableist at all, but there's a certain size of biped human that I find very upsetting. Um, like if you ever, you know, when you see something that's like not like full size, if the Welsh troll was like three and a half feet tall, if yeah. it, sorry, uh, Sir Richard Burton, I assume yeah. he's a sir. Um, that would that would be really upsetting to me. Would he have one of those gnome, one of those pointy gnome hats? Well, that's the thing. He kind of he kind of looks and acts like Dobby. Uh, from Harry Potter, the right. house elf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, except he can sing, and he's Does very. Does he play charming. like a lute? Could he's he be a like a Tom drunk. Bombadil type situation? He's the thing about Tom Bombadil is he's <laughs> one of the oldest characters. In, he, he's one of the oldest characters in Middle Earth, Merlin. He he dates back to before the before the wizards. How do they know that? Well, they don't because of the history just, problem. This is just long conversations I've had with Ted Leo about Tom Bombadil that I'm not going to get into. Now, because I've never read all, the book, I just private. love saying Tom Bombadil. It's a wonderful, wonderful a great, yeah. name. Nice, nice mouthfeel. I do, I do definitely feel like whatever. I still believe that there. I still believe the children are our future, and I still mm. believe that there is a thing that that brings us all together. I I see no color, Merlin, in this oh, house. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and and cult culture, etc. Oh. Am I right? Yeah, you're doing great. Can I get a high five about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. This is all okay. going straight into the ebook. And so culture, if I'm right, like everybody has a panic attack, everybody's got phones, and and presumably the house elf in other cultures does not look like Richard Burton, but looks like something. Oh, you're not okay, so now if I understand correctly, you're you're pivoting to somewhere between Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell. Right, you're, in you're right, in, right in there. You're saying there's right in between. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it's not, it's not, it's the the troll's journey. Hmm. You, you, the um, it may not be Welsh, it may not be a troll, but it's for sure some kind of Welsh troll. That's just what we call it in our culture. That's right. Something's doing. Some that people job. might call it the Great Spirit, or you got to put or that. Or little, little Richard, little Richard, they call him. You know, l last year, uh, right around Rosh Hashanah, there was uh, I was with some friends, and they were I don't know I might have talked to you about this, and they <laughs> said, oh, we're going to go down to the ocean, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a piece of bread, we're gonna take a loaf of bread, and we're gonna 
uh, rip it up into pieces and we're going to throw little bits of bread into the ocean and those are going to be all the things we want to get rid of this year. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds like cool. That's a cool thing. And so we went down to the ocean and they all had some little crust of bread and they, they went, you know, they threw, they ripped it into four pieces, threw it in the ocean and then they were like, back to the campfire. Mm. And I had this crust of bread and I just was like taking little little pieces and thinking about what the little piece represented and flicking it into the sea mm. and then another little break off another little piece of the bread and in and and put the thing in the piece of bread that i hmm. wanted to be rid of sit with the bread and look at it and go and now it's like a transubstantiation yes moment. yeah this bread now is this thing i want to be rid of this small emotional corner of my life that i want to have uh taken thank you mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. thank you power greater than myself take this and to the sea with you mm. and after a while the people that were then around the campfire were like hey you know come hang out with us and i was like look mm -mm. i didn't Can't start still this. stuffing bread with regret yeah i didn't you didn't you know like i didn't come up with this throw bread in the sea but you, but Nobody's going to tell me when I'm done. And I was is it, there. Is it, are you done when you run out of bread? Or do you just well, keep no, tearing them smaller? I mean, yeah, as I, got, as I got closer to the end of the bread, I was like, am I, am I through? No, mm, I'm not. There's more, to, there's more to do here. And, I, you know, and it's dark, and the waves are kind of lapping at my feet. And I'm just out there like, no, this is serious business now. I'm, uh, I'm hard at work, and this is real. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been depending on on how important you think I am to the campfire party maybe I ruined it for everybody because all of a sudden I'm down having a some kind of you know mystical experience and that's not and everybody else is like let's have another e mm -hmm. <coughs> but it was very meaningful to me sure and and I realized like yeah this is the compare uh, 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 varieties of religious experience it does you can I'm not woo and don't and I don't take from a smorgasbord of uh, of religious little ramekins of little you're not hot a cafeteria dogs. Buddhist. No, I'm not. Like, oh, and I'm going to have a little bit of mindfulness and a little uh, bit of pop psychology and a little bit of yeah. Sure. No, I'm not doing that. But I will take Home decoration. Your, I mean, yeah, I think you get some candles and a bell and a bowl. The Jews have been doing it for a long time. They've got they some have. insight into this, and so it's like I don't want to eat the bitter. Uh, thing and I don't want to yeah. eat the salt water. Well, or whatever, from wandering I, in the desert, do you feel like John? I didn't do that. I wasn't in the desert. I was mm -mm. in. The, I was in a peat bog. Peat bog. Peat bog. <laughs> so, uh -huh. so and then tearing, tearing bread into smaller and smaller pieces. Smaller and smaller pieces. And and you know, uh -huh. I have to acknowledge the privilege of having a crust of bread that I didn't need. Thank you. Wow, Thanks. you've you're I, doing so well with this. I didn't need the bread I, enough that I could in, in that I could transubstantiate. Well, it must into be my nice. Anxieties. Must must be nice to have I enough know. food that you can throw it away to wrap your regrets in. Must be I nice. Know. You know what, Merlin? Hashtag do better. A lot of do better. A lot of kids can't do even better. get Wi-Fi. That's the thing. Yeah. Thank you, Starlink. <laughs> Thank you, Starlink. <laughs> yeah, I uh, the Welsh troll man. Still yeah. About him. I'm looking at these pictures of uh, of Richard Burton. Um, I uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't no, know. I don't. No, I know you don't. I know. I don't either. But I'm there. I mean, I'm there. We're you know? both there. We're in it. We're in it, and maybe not to win it. No, I think I'm just in it to finish it. 
But if I do, will that be my dissolution? Will I lose status in the tribe? Hmm. What if Dan Benjamin steals all my elk? It's Thursday. It's elk day. And what if I don't get my elk? He wouldn't steal it. You know, it causes him pain just to, if you tell something that's not true. So he wouldn't steal my elk probably. Would he not though? Would he not? He'd be late for my elk. Yeah. See, that's what it is. I've started to walk around a track. Huh. You ready for this? Yes. My, my little girl is uh, on a swim team. She doesn't want to do oh, it. We have course. three times a week. She comes and she's like, please don't make me do this anymore. And I'm like, yeah. look, I am not going to make you do something that you don't, that you, that is actually tormenting you. But is that what this is? Or do you just not want, because her coach I is struggle, not. I struggle with that because oh, I'm no. very much the, like, I'm not going to make you do this. But like, there's also the part of me that is sort of like, oh, sometimes if you push just a little bit further, you'll find a thing about this that's fun that you didn't expect. And her coach is uh, like not a supportive coach. She's a, uh, she's a punishment coach. Ugh. Like, you oh, know, she's, like. Oh, she's telling me she's in it to win it. The, the coach is like, get back in there and let's see your best effort. And mm. and my little girl wants the coach to be like, oh my god, you did so amazing! Absolutely. And I'm and and even in that moment, I'm like, well, now ev- not everybody you work with in your life is going to be supportive. It's true. And and so that alone is probably not a reason to quit, just because she doesn't make you feel good at the end of every lap. But is that it, it's something we're going back and forth every day because because half the time she's like I love to swim and it's where I want to be and the other half she's like please don't make me do this anymore and I'm like ah I don't want to be my dad where I'm standing on the side of the of the the baseball field going god damn it coach you're missing a good game over here but I do want to not be yeah somebody that's just like whatever baby you know let's go get a popsicle i think there's a downside to that a lot of people don't realize which is like when you i think you have to be you have to always be supportive but i think you also have to be as a parent like sometimes you need to be a wall they bounce against gently better they bounce against my wall than another wall and if i say if you say like the the most craziest thing in the world that you've never said or thought before if you're just the hormonal teen for example like i may not agree with everything you say the second you say it because like uh you know if you if you tell me that you're you actually are you know sir richard burton oh honey that's good that's that's so good for you and elizabeth taylor but like you know what i mean like you you, i think there is a line or there is a balance somewhere between like you don't want to be oh god the fucking people in the park right now john it's soccer season and these tiny tiny kids are getting yelled out we can hear it we can hear it of course because it's right outside our window just screaming 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 at their kids and and dexter was not covering his position in a way that made oh. anybody happy. Come on, Dexter. This, poor Dexter was really singled out. That's that's one way. I don't want to be that. But then on the other side, I don't want to be like Ned Flanders' parents and just like, you know, everything's cool, you know, because that the problem is not that you're you're you may feel like you're saving your kid from inconvenience or pain, but what you're also doing is telling them that whatever they imagine will probably turn out to be true. <laughs> right, and, and- so I don't want to do that, but so no. one thing, one deal I made with her was I said, "Look, all right, you're going to go in and do that. Here's what I'm going to do: where the the swimming pool is over by the high school. While you are in there swimming, I'm going to be walking. I'm going to be fast walking around the the track around the baseball field or around the football field. And so I'm also going to be, as the winter darkens, mm-hmm. I'm going to be out there in the rain." doing my two miles um, 
during the during the time that you're at swimming practice, so that it's not just. I love this project, John. This this, this project is so up my alley. When you come up with like when you can snap a thing to another thing, like I think it helps so much. A simple one would be like, well, I'm going to take a walk because then I get to go get a Starbucks coffee or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I think it's so smart that you've you've made this into an omnibus project for both of you. (laughs) And and so I've never walked around a track. I always scoffed at it because I was like, why would you do that when you could walk through the city like John Travolta at the beginning of, of uh, you know, like, why, why? do you carry paint cans when you're doing You know, it? you're going to be meeting people. You're going to be sure. wearing really uncomfortable looking shoes. And <laughs> my I, hair, why would you do, it. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so walking around a track, that just seemed like a weird thing that people, uh, that slobs well, just in, go, in track just go walk did. the mall with the olds. There you, you know? go. Yeah. But so I'm out, I'm walking around the track, walking around the track. Walking around the track walking is its track. own thing. It's not oh, the same it's as walking. totally, yep, yep. I'm not going to use any words or mention any things, but yep. Yeah. It's, it's def- it's, it can be a real good thing. Oh, yeah. Your body gets into a thing and your mind goes into a place and you're just like, what am I doing? I'm walking. Well, you've also like, you've, you've taken away. I mean, as much as I think there's a different kind of benefit to, for example, walking around in the greenery and there's shown benefits for people with ADHD of being around complex natural patterns like leaves and grass stimulates dopamine. But we're talking about something else here, which is let's move all of that other stuff aside. And this is just going to be me doing a quarter mile and another quarter mile and another quarter mile with nothing to think about except... That being on that quarter mile. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. And I and it's like being on a treadmill, except there's except there's wind in your hair. And I am really into it now. Whoa! But what I but I'm out there and there's nothing to do except this is an actual living high school that has actual sports teams that are also out doing their sports balls. There's a girls soccer team that practices for the first half of every time I get out there to go. And then they all get to the end of the, you know, they, they're shooting goals and then they get to the end and then they're packing up to leave. And then the boys football team comes out. Meanwhile, the cross country running team is setting up over in the corner and then they run off into the trails. And I'm this old dude in the center of all of this action, mm-hmm. trying to stay out of everybody's way, trying to stay invisible on this kind of crazy loop mm-hmm. uh, that where I'm moving either faster or slower than everything else. And it's, it's having a real effect on my well-being. Is there anything you can talk about? I mean, are, are there feelings? Is there, it sounds like one thing that's, it's easy to lose this in the shuffle is that you aren't hating it. And you probably want to do it again. Like, don't sleep on that. That's good. It's really yeah. good if you found something where, like, you're not dreading doing it again. And does it, I don't know, do you, is there anything you can share about the experience of it? Well, what I, what I was, what I expected was that if I'm, if my body is in motion like this and my mind then becomes untethered, <laughs> which is my favorite space to be, but the danger is that I go completely out into mm-hmm. uh, into a world of the imagination, and that can be that world of imagination is very telling about where I am in life at any given that, moment. That's a version of the Kleenex box, except in this case, one of those Kleenex is going to push itself out. 
Yes, right. And so here I am. I got nothing to think about. Now I'm on. Now I'm untethered from my body. Now I'm mm-hmm. thinking about everything. Now I'm lost in time. Do I start to go through revenge fantasies, or am I thinking about what I would do if I were made emperor of Europe, or am I thinking about? How I'm going to get that idea patented, or am I thinking about what am I thinking about? What if you've you been there like towards the beginning of of the Great War? Could you have done Thank anything you. to prevent that from happening? Thank you. If you had, I saw an interesting one the other day. If you had time travel, but you could only go someplace for sixty minutes, and then you would immediately be returned to now. So you're not going into the past or the future to live there. You have sixty minutes. Oh, I like that. Where would you go and what would you do for that 60 minutes? And I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, okay. All right. There's an idea that I, that I will chew on, right? Like you, you need I, 60 I would think minutes. about that for at least three laps. Yeah, you can't even, I mean, 60 minutes, you can't even introduce yourself to a stockbroker in mm-hmm. that time. You got to have something really well planned out. Yeah, exactly. And you can't, there's no cheats, right? No infinite wishes. You can't wish somebody else. You can't time travel somebody else to have been there to lay out the violin case for you or anything like that, right? No, no, no. You got to land and Mm. nobody's ever heard of you before. And you're like, hi, I, I got 60 minutes and here's what I need to tell you about the future. But I've noticed that in my laps, I am not going to bad places. There are a lot like you'd, like you'd feared or sort yeah, of dreaded. Yeah. There are a lot of people that belong in a shipping container in the desert, mm-hmm. but that's not where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And that is also re- recapitulating. Like if I can do if I can do an hour's worth of walking around this track and not once find myself in some uh like ferret hole. But I'm just, you know, I'm still up in space and like nothing. Well, and, and I know this is not what you're saying. This is something that I would think, though. But also to be aware that if the thing you dreaded or feared does come up, it, you'll just you'll just deal with it the way you would deal with any other thought, which is, you know, that that it, it kind of passes through. It, you go on to the next thing, and but you, it is ultimately we who decide how much we're going to cling to the bad thoughts. I right. Feel like. Yeah. Well, and. And learning how to, you know, it, it took me a long time to learn how to go, wait a minute, you've been thinking about this for an hour, and this <laughs> how's is that, not, How's that working out for you? This is not good. This <laughs> yeah, is not helpful, yeah. and you're not happy here. You don't have to do this. Yeah, the, first thing, the first thing you needed to do was recognize that that's what you've been oh, doing. John. This isn't, you know, this isn't nature. Your heart grew three sizes that day. That's a that's big right. deal. That's a big <laughs> fucking deal. <laughs> yeah, and I went back and gave all the presents back to the Who's, and about halfway through, I was like, what are you doing? Did you carve the, the roast beast? <laughs> these are extremely valuable presents. What? They don't know they're gone. So so there's that, right? That that you learn how to mm-hmm. how to not do that. But But... Oh my God, I had a moment the other day where I was on the verge of lucid dreaming. Oh boy. I was in my dream uh-huh. and I was standing there and I was like, wait a minute, you're in your dream. You're in the dream. <sighs> uh oh. And I was like, I'm in the dream. In the dream. And it, you could see things were starting to like, it was, it was an environment. It was turning into an environment. I could, you tested the edges a little bit because you said, do I dare? Do you, you know, you're going to eat a peach? You're thinking yeah. to yourself, hey, uh, I think I might be in one of the dreams, and I know I'm in a dream, but like that is a classic way to end that dream is and as soon as you, right? So that's what how do you I not crush the bunny? Up. 
Oh, I, fuck. And I was like, oh, you, you. Mm-hmm. It was, and the thing is, I did it, I think, because as, as it was coalescing, I was like, I'm in the dream. Is this a good, is this good for me right now? Like, it wasn't, is this a good dream? Because you can make the dream whatever you want. But is this where I uh-huh, should good be? Good distinction, yeah. Because I don't know if this is what I want to play at, be in the dream. There have been times in my life where being in the dream was like, wow, I get to fly around the neighborhood. But right now, I don't think I would just fly around the neighborhood, I'm afraid. And so anyway, all of a sudden, I'm like standing outside the door and I don't remember the key code anymore. And I'm holding a a, a dozen roses and I'm like, fuck, what Hmm. happened? Hmm. You didn't make it. You know, like you were inside the lobby. Yeah. And now you're back out. But I was... I don't know. There's a lot going on. What do you wear when you walk around the track? That's a very good question. Thank you. Do you have a special uh, costume? Do you have a special costume for laps? Well, there's there's the now. Mm. And in the now, I happen to be wearing my Mac Weldon uh, pea green soup colored super pants. <laughs> as well as a little... Mac huh? Weldon huh? uh, white colored uh, zip up hoodie. I'm wearing a Mac Weldon uh, long sleeve t shirt right now. Well, there you go. Huh? But there will come a day and, uh, when youth will, youth pass, will pass away. away. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's coming very soon where it will be dark and cold and raining on me mm. while I'm walking around the track, and my and my little tennis shoes will be going squish 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 squish. squish. Yeah. And I don't know what I'm going to wear because I have always been really opposed to Northwest style waterproof workout clothes. Oh, technicals, they call them. I don't want them. I've no. never wanted a technical. You know, you tend to dress more like a fisherman. Maybe you've got a full on fisherman outfit like the Gordon's Fisherman from Gordon's of Gloucester. You got one of those big, cool yellow hats. But those are not good to walk fast in. How do you know? Well, because. I've been in my fisherman costume and been trying to get oh. away from somebody, and it's like, wah, 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 wah. and it's and my usual costume of like boiled wool isn't going to work either. I need, you know, I'm I need sorry, the I'm of sorry, movement. I complicated this for you. I just, I so I don't know, I don't yeah. know, Ty I don't know if Adidas is going to help me here. Hmm. Bums a bums a bop, zip a bop. 